of other things people love to hate, hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Back again, back again. Yes, and hello to all our lovely pissers still with us after last week's uh, anniversary episode. I'd like to take this time to announce that this is my last episode of the <laughs> podcast and I will not be returning. Well, you know, we'll probably be able to find someone to replace you. I mean, oh, never. You could never, <laughs> Shelby. Who would you who would even get close? Yeah, I guess you are a unique a unique perspective and um as previous reviewers have said, you have a unique vocal range to match. So Wow, we're really just party. starting with <laughs> with all of the bad parts, aren't that we? Was, that was partly, I mean, I was part of that review too, so I guess I have a unique that is voice. True. It's not that smooth like all the others. Right, yes, not uh, smooth. Yeah. Not, not radio ready. <laughs> yeah, we're still salty over that review because no one has left us a new review. You know, I may not have a voice for podcasting, <laughs> but... I have a face for TV, and that's what really counts. <laughs> yes, so. yes, one day the world will know. Of we, course, we've got someday. to start doing those like video videograms of our podcast experience. Everyone's oh doing yes, now. like a YouTube video of yeah. of us that people could watch for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, if that's what you're the- looking for, send us an email. <laughs> I know. I've never gotten the appeal i mean i guess people just like to know who they're listening to which is i guess fine but it's like i'm just sitting on my bedroom floor like wearing pajamas so (laughs) does the world really need that in 4k i don't know plus isn't it more fun to not know what the people look like (laughs) and then google them and be instantly horrified and try to forget what they look like because that's what i do with most podcasts yeah Yeah, exactly i envision them all looking very hot and then they turn out to look like normal people and i'm like oh (laughs) okay this is why you're only a podcast star and not like famous in any other way Mm. yeah such is our lot but I'm excited for this week. I am. This is the juiciest news that I've ever encountered. Like, honestly, um, it's wild. And it, and it comes from a franchise that's known for wild plot twists. And yet still, I was surprised because this week, The Bachelorette was in the news for another sort of strange scandal. I saw this and I was like, I'm not going to read these articles. I'm just going to (laughs) ask Shelby about it on the episode. So do tell. Yes. Well, we talked about this, I think, even last week where they were finally filming Claire Crawley's season and it was all going to be done at this resort where they have like, I think it's like 40 to 50 like total men who are who are fighting for Claire's heart and it's all like done in quarantine and they're all like, you know, tested and it's a weird, it's a weird COVID moment. But then this week there started to be this rumor where someone with an insider's perspective, no one knows who, but the rumor is that Claire quit her season two weeks into filming, which is probably about four weeks of content. And wants to supposedly run off with a guy she already fell in love with and decided that doing the rest of the show wasn't worth it. And that is just unheard of, first of all, because I mean, I think it's hard because like usually you want to do the whole show no matter how in love you are or whatever weird feelings you think you're feeling within two weeks because you get to go to all these locations, have all these romantic dates and like, 
you know, have this experience that will make you a hugely popular influencer once you get home. But I guess in Claire's case, you know, her whole thing was, oh, wow, a mature (laughs) bachelorette. She's 39. She really knows what she wants. She's going to be so driven to really find love. And I guess that sort of backfired because once she found like who she really connected with and who she loved, I guess, um, she decided she didn't want to cooperate anymore. And so that's crazy enough. But then there's this news that um, Taisha, who is from Colton Underwood season from 2019, so just a year ago, she was a beloved character and people wanted her to be the Bachelorette and she's black and she's gorgeous and she was on Bachelor in Paradise. So she has like a little fan club. And people had thought she might have been the bachelorette anyways. But they announced there's this like theory now that Tisha was flown out to the La Quinta La Quinta Resort to step in <laughs> to Claire Crawley's role to finish out the season, which is just bonkers. And usually a story like that, I'm like, that's just fake news. That's just insane. But all these different like Reality Steve, who's the most famous spoiler of The Bachelor Nation hasn't necessarily confirmed it's all true, but he he knows something's going on and is trying to get the details. And that itself sort of speaks to this possibly being true. Plus, Tasha has been sort of MIA and a couple of her bachelorette friends have been like, yeah, I actually tried to like text her about this news and I can't like reach her. <laughs> and mm. then Claire Crawley, who supposedly is on a social media blackout because she was still doing the show, um, was caught liking a tweet and then quickly unliked it, supposedly, which I guess that's easy to fabricate if someone took the time. But so supposedly she has her phone back and is thus not doing the show. So it's all very interesting and messy and unconfirmed and uh, salacious. And I just can't get enough of it. Here is my question, though. So let's say Claire is gone. She's gone off with her, you know, new boyfriend mm-hmm. or whatever. They get this other girl to come in. Mm-hmm. Are they using all the same guys? Because don't they get the guys like sort of specifically related to who is going to be on the show? Yeah, I mean, usually not necessarily because they cast the show much earlier than they announce the um, Bachelor or Bachelorette just because it's such a fast turnover. But Mm. with this case, yeah, since Claire's season was um, delayed because of COVID, a a lot of new people were brought in. And there was a lot of promotion with those two weird shows that the Bachelor franchise did with that, like, Listen to Your Heart one. Oh, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this, like, re- revival of the past seasons um, where they were constantly talking about, oh, if you know someone who wants to date Claire specifically, like, reach out. We're casting for Claire's season. Claire's our Bachelorette. And so then that's part of the weirdness, too, because, I mean... I don't think anyone would be sad to be able to date Tasha. She's gorgeous and she seems like a fun person. But shouldn't all these guys be older? Yeah. So they're like, I mean, it is a bachelor. So the world is How old is Tasha? Tasha is 29. Okay. So she's but like, still, you know, if these yeah. guys were older than Claire, I don't then think most they're going to be in their 40s. Oh, no. no she's young. She was, she was mm. uh, I mean, they could only cast, like, you know, not a lot of 45 year olds are like cool enough and interested to be in the show, you know? So I think, um, like, when it was originally announced, Claire's season was full of like 25 year old men, which was like never going to work. And so I think they averaged it up to be like 30s, early 30s. So I think 
there would be some options there, but they the rumor is that they've also called back some of the men who Claire had sent home. So it is sort of this weird question of one, are they going to show Claire's journey to love? Oh, well, they have to. <laughs> yeah. Because won't that be the most interesting thing? Like, yeah, but unless it was like, unless it I was mean, they filmed bad, it all. Like where Claire betrayed them and they hate her now then they might be like no but then they could but then they could betray then they could portray her in a (laughs) bad light that's true yeah so what i but aren't they all about finding love i mean isn't that the whole point of the show so if she found love you know like that's (laughs) that's it it. yeah i know so it would be a very exciting and also very weird season and i feel like we'll have to get confirmation one way or the other pretty soon because they can't just like use that as a surprise four episodes into Claire's season. I don't think like, I think they'd have to be like before the show airs admit that this is happening, but it is sort of weird. I mean, and that's also part of like, well, if it is that this show is about true love, then it does sort of make all these guys suspect that they're suddenly willing to about turn and date some other chick. And so I don't know. I mean, it does make it the most dramatic season of The Bachelorette ever, which is exciting for a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll <laughs> they'll do the marketing like crazy. I mean, I'm actually intrigued to watch this if this is the <laughs> yeah. case. I know. And it's like, usually these rumors turn out to be nothing, but it just it just seems like too wild a story to not have some sort of. You know like, what I'm really excited up, for <laughs> is, okay, first night, you know, we get all of the people coming out of the limousines or whatever, and they mm. all have their weird gimmicky things that are related <laughs> to Claire. And then three weeks later, we watch the <laughs> yeah. same group of people all get out of limousines again, yeah. but with different gimmicks that now relate to <laughs> the other girl. Won't I that know. be great? That's what's funny is like, will they just have two seasons within one or will Tasia just sort of have to play catch up and they won't go through the same sort of. She just shows up and it's like, yeah. and it's like Claire picked these sixteen people, so this is how you who you get to choose from. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, this is just uncharted territory. But they have the whole thing on tape. I mean, honestly, yeah. I feel like every season, The Bachelor or Bachelorette gets more like meta sort of you know what i mean like (laughs) the drama is gets less and less of like what's actually going on in the show and more and more like outside the show Mm -hmm. but still on the show at the same time you know Mm -hmm. what i mean there's so many like oh we're back like backstage there's a producer drama where it's not like on camera anymore yeah i know it's just like it's very odd so i think yeah the only way they can really save face if if it is if it looks like it was an intentional, like an ultra romantic gesture by Claire. And then she sort of ushers in this new <laughs> bachelorette to find her journey amongst these elect men. And they continue to enjoy their time at the resort. <laughs> well, I'm sure like contractually Claire, like, I mean, if she goes yeah. away, I think she would lose like money or whatever. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, who knows what kind of stuff that she could be like, have a legal lawsuit pressed against yeah. her. So that all, yeah. it, it's all very strange. I mean, that's the other question is there's some theory that like, oh, she's just like difficult. She was hard to work with. She wasn't excited to do anything. And so it just kind of what, and then and they got rid crashed. of her. Yeah. Mm. 
or it could be a combination of the two where she wasn't willing to go along with the game because suddenly she she found her one true love, which in itself is just a ridiculous sentiment. Like this whole show is crazy, but to find your true love in two weeks of filming is just wild. But we don't think that this has any connection to like an incident on set or something. No, there's where not she like hauled off and slapped somebody or something. <laughs> and now they have to get a new person. No, I have not heard that, but it, I, I can't see that happening. Like, honestly, the, the reason this rings true for me is that Claire has been on a couple seasons of like bachelor in paradise. Now she was on a season of bachelor. So we've gotten a sense of her personality and she is very impulsive and sort of like dramatic in these in these affectations where she's suddenly like, I love this person more than life. She's been engaged before. Like it's like I can see mm. this being something where she's like, I have found my one and that's all I need. I'm an independent woman. I don't need to play this game and go on these dates and lie to these other men. I don't care about contracts. Like this is my everything now. More than I can see her being like a catty, difficult, like oh, I just don't want to do this anymore. Maybe she has internal rage. Yeah. Shelby, (laughs) she just decked somebody and popped their teeth out. And all of us, yeah. Yeah. And it's also not necessarily what she signed up for, right? Like, it's not like going globe trotting on these sexy dates. It's it's sitting at a resort and picking which pool to like flirt with another guy. Yeah, and getting your temperature taken, (laughs) you know, 40 times a day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, well, we talked about this a little bit last week, but the Emmy nominations came yes. out over the past week, and I just wanted to touch down and see what your thoughts were on these. Did you happen to watch the Emmy like n- nomination announcement live stream? No. <laughs> I mean, why would you? Why would anybody truly? But I did, and it was... I've never watched it before with the Emmys. I've watched it with the Oscars. And just in COVID, it was a whole nother level of chaos where (laughs) Leslie Jones was the person who was hosting the announcement. So she was like in a green screen room someplace. And then Mm -hmm. Laverne Cox, Josh Gad, and Tatiana Maslany were like all at home, clearly just like in front of a laptop reading off who the nominees were like their lighting was bad you couldn't even see tatiana's face like it was just a disaster and then leslie jones would sort of come on in between and just shout about the nominees that she liked the most where she'd be like regina king regina king and it's like isn't this the announcement are we supposed to be like calling out which performers we like (laughs) like but anyways so then things started to go fritzy where the internet stopped working and like it cut out in the middle of nominees like they couldn't hear each other at various points and then at the end leslie jones told laverne cox that she had been nominated for an emmy because i guess she had been in some (laughs) like weird guest category and laverne cox didn't like thought it was a joke and couldn't figure out what she had been nominated for. And <laughs> Leslie Jones didn't know. She just knew that Laverne Cox had been nominated. So Laverne what? is like, oh, wait, I got nominated this year for some, for like now for something. And Leslie's like, yeah. And Laverne's like, well, what is it? And Leslie's like, I don't know, but you got nominated. <laughs> so it's truly like a terror. And it really <laughs> confirmed for me what a disaster this show is going to be because the whole thing is virtual they're not meeting and it's just like a virtual award show yeah that's so very strange it'll be exciting but what did you think <laughs> about the nominations 
I always forget like how many people are nominated at this event. Like there's just so many <laughs> nominations. It's like everyone's everyone gets an acting nom. Like it's just it's a lot to sort through. I think the things that stuck out to me is just like the continued love for shows that are sort of dwindling. Like I think I think Killing Eve, I don't know. I think it was a a missed opportunity to nominate both Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh again for Killing Eve in the drama series lead actress when there is other people doing other things and new things. And so I don't know. I guess that's the other thing that's hard for me too is you have this like limited series versus drama series because Reese Witherspoon was one that people were surprised she didn't get nominated for anything because she was in three shows this year with Big Little Lies, Little Fires Everywhere, and The Morning Show. But I guess I guess the argument, I mean, Little Fires Everywhere is definitely limited. And then <laughs> and then even Nicole Kidman didn't get a nod for Big Little Lies. And Meryl Streep, where is she? Did she get nominated? She I don't got know. <laughs> I think Nicole No, Nicole Kidman didn't get nominated. Meryl Streep got nominated oh, but okay. in supporting. Oh, it okay. is wild though, because it's like you have comedy, drama, and limited and mm-hmm. then all of them have best actor best actress best supporting then there's also a guest category for yes. both actor and actress <laughs> there's a million different awards there's and then there's tons of stuff below the line like i was just looking through all there's like a hundred and some categories yeah. it's um, a lot. there's also a bunch of categories now for like short form so quibi got like 15 nominations <laughs> but it's sort of like well who is their competitor for like under 10 minute long episodes? (laughs) You know, there's not really anybody else in that space. So of course they would get nominations. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird though, how sometimes like blackish got nominations and uh, which Mm -hmm. I think has been good. Yeah. This is us, but it's like, who is watching these shows anymore like i haven't heard a thing about either of those shows in years and yet yeah. come nomination morning they pop up <laughs> yeah. but also some weird new stuff got nominated like the mandalorian got nominated for yeah. best drama which i was sort of like oh who did disney <laughs> yeah. have to pay for this i know there were some weirdo weird ones snuck in and it felt sort of like and it was some of them were good. Like I mean, I think a big surprise was Euphoria giving a nod to, or the Emmys giving a nod to, um, oh, my brain Zendaya. Is, yeah, Zendaya for Euphoria, and then you also get like Shit's Creek got like a fifteen nominations, I think, including the entire family being nominated in the acting categories, mm-hmm. which is cute and exciting. But it is just like there's little things that you're like, huh, that just is sort of out of left field. Like like Titus Burgess was nominated for his part in the the like interactive unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt special. And it's like is that is that the best supporting actor we've had this year? I don't know. Well, I do feel like, and this is like good and bad in different ways, but that because of the Black Lives Matter movement and because of, you know, like the Oscars so white and award shows being called out for not having a lot of diversity in years past, Mm -hmm. that I think the, you know, mostly white older voters who are voting for the Emmys were Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we cannot have this problem again. So we need (laughs) to vote for some people who aren't white. But then because they don't watch a lot of these 
shows that have more diverse cast. They just sort of like went back to the well or like looked for things that they've sort of voted for in years past. And they're like, Titus Burgess. Oh, he's (laughs) available this year. Let's vote for him. Instead of like really looking up anything else, they were like, Mm -hmm. I liked Kimmy Schmidt six years ago. So let me (laughs) vote for someone I know from that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I honestly did a bad job of like understanding what could be nominated or really thinking about what maybe was snubbed. So I wasn't like offended by anything on this list. It wasn't like, oh, where's my favorite? But I mean, it was just kind of a, it felt a little all over the place. But yeah, like you said, I think it's good. It's variety is the spice of life. And it feels nice that instead of just Miss Maisel sweeping everything, there's like random pop-ins for normal people or Hollywood or Watchmen and like Mrs. America. And so it's like clear that people have been watching more and so i think that's a good thing yeah i think you can tell the people had more time on their hands with quarantine (laughs) because they're like what we do in the shadows got a bunch of nominations and i was like i don't even know what that show is so do you watch that no but i know what it is um and it used it was a movie too and uh i think it was a show before and oh my gosh i was like i was like oh it's only half hour episodes i'll have to watch this before the uh the ceremony actually happens but i was like i could not tell you anyone who was in this thing (laughs) um succession got a crap ton of nominations which i was really excited about like literally every person who has ever been on the show got nominated uh like all of the roy family got nominated (laughs) cousin greg got nominated even a bunch of random people got nominated in the guest roles like kendall's (laughs) mom the the older brother like everybody so I, I think the weirdest to see that. continues to be the Kaminsky method. I've never met a single human being that has watched this show. I think it must just be an old person show, <laughs> you know? But do your parents watch it? No, but I think like my aunt and uncle maybe do. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even the- know it was like a recurring show. I thought it was like a limited, <laughs> a one and done Oh, I definitely show. did too. When <laughs> I was like... And and I didn't know it was a comedy. I yeah. was like, this is a comedy and it's had more than one season? Weird. Yeah. The thing that I was shocked by was all the nominations for Handmaid's Tale. I was like, mm. there was a season of Handmaid's Tale <laughs> that could get nominated for this? Yeah. And I guess it came out right at the beginning of the window, yeah. like, last summer. But then I remember you and I feel like everybody saying that the last two seasons were like not great or maybe have yeah. like a couple of good episodes. So I was yeah. shocked to see how well, many but nominations that's how the that Emmys work, got. right? Is because they only submit a certain episode, at least for like acting roles, right? And writing, it's just based on a single episode. Yes. I mean, technically. Because <laughs> The Handmaid's Tale was absolute trash. And then that last episode, I was just like, oh my gosh, is this the greatest moment of television of my life? So, And, then, and now <laughs> I'm sort of like, should I go and like catch up on the last two seasons? Uh, should I not? Like, is it worth it? Uh, it's just hard to say. I mean, there's definitely moments of like really great acting. I think the story has devolved into something very messy, but it does seem to refine its footing with the finale of season, I guess is season three. And so I'm hopeful for season four now in a way that I wasn't before. So I don't know if you could, get away with just skipping to the season three finale but i loved it i thought it was such a good episode of tv 
Well, I've watched most of the drama nominees, but I haven't watched very many of the limited mm-hmm. series ones yet. So yeah. I'll go through all of those and then once and then we'll see how much time I have. And if I want to tackle Handmaid's Tale mm. or Maisel or Kaminsky <laughs> Method, one of the shows yeah. that I haven't, you know, <laughs> quite had the desire to dive into. But honestly, we're running out of new TV that's coming out. I was looking at the li- list of like new shows coming out in the next month. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, outside from Big true. Brother, which comes out on No, Wednesday. we're headed towards a very, a very sad <laughs> winter and spring of no new television because you know, nothing's Shelby, been produced. <laughs> this idea just came to me. What if we turned our podcast into a Big Brother podcast? Oh, that's and just interesting. But I mean, I'm sure there's some, the you know, season. the Kaminsky method is probably... <laughs> There's something coming. Um, but speaking of television and drama and uh, and hot takes galore, Ellen has uh, the Ellen show oh, has been yes. facing some controversies this week. Uh, BuzzFeed News broke a pretty uh, dramatic story that paints a lot of people have been coming forward about the toxic nature of behind the scenes of the Ellen show. And we've talked about Ellen throughout this year, I think, because there's been more and more sort of pushback against her as an individual and just Mm -hmm. maybe she's a little meaner and more cruel than has been let on. But this kind of redirects that anger towards her executive production team who have somehow made the Ellen show a truly like horrific place to work. It sounds like Um, there were accusations of sexual harassment and uh, assault and there's also issues of just ego and uh, racism and you know just the gauntlet of bad boss behavior and it all comes from the top and so as this news broke, Warner Brothers did its own like internal investigation. Ellen herself sent an internal memo that like apologized for the news. She sort of was like, I I didn't know this was happening, but I should have since it's my name on the door and it, I should have been way more involved. And I apologize that this ever got so far out of hand and we want to make it right. But then the other rumor is that she's just like over this. She hates the drama she's been sort of like phoning it in on the show i don't think she's even liked the show but it's hard to say no to that contract so i think she's trying to get out of it now which makes all these people who came forward suddenly very nervous that they're not even going to have a job now let alone get you know but didn't she fire a lot of them anyways and get somebody else to film or something i feel like when i was reading the news regarding these stories Mm -hmm. it didn't like the pieces didn't fit with the things i'd heard before like i remember reading stories about like oh ellen like screaming at or you know uh, like she went outside back behind the studio and was yelling at people for like cooking hot (laughs) dogs at a studio next door like i heard things that were specifically ellen related Mm -hmm. not like her producers but then the producers are apparently bad so part (laughs) of me was like is she just like putting the blame on them because they're people that we've never heard of before who can probably <laughs> go on and get jobs elsewhere or she can pay them off with millions of dollars and be like, look, just take one for the team and, you know, whatever. I don't know. I get the sense that, I mean, you know, you have sort of this like ultra star level like Ellen. She's not necessarily in the writer's room every day, like dealing with the the plebs and the the lower cast of, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, support. I do think, and I had this conversation with Rob actually the other night where I think both stories are true, right? Like I think Ellen has maybe become sort of ornery, grumpy, 
maybe a little um, rude and whatever other uh, terms you can think to put on her. But the stories we have heard are usually her not in a work environment. Like she wasn't harassing her employees. She was harassing waitresses. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I think she has an attitude problem. But it sounds like that conversation just gave these poor employees like enough uh, momentum to kind of call out this horrible work environment too, which is unfortunate. And I think, I mean, the stories seem very concentrated towards certain producers on the show. Is it, is it believable that Ellen didn't know her producers were such trash monsters? Probably not. So that's like the tough, the tough call is like how innocent can Ellen be really? Yeah, that is a good question. I don't know. I mean, but then I also saw that they're thinking about replacing Ellen with James Corden. And I was like, truly ninth (laughs) ring of hell at this point. Yeah. And that would be pretty unfortunate. I mean, Ellen, for all her faults, like was a huge step forward for women and queer representation. Also, Ellen's funny. (laughs) which is something that james corden doesn't have yeah (laughs) so you would hope that they they wouldn't just like replace her with some random you know just some other already famous talk show white dude you know and just gave someone Mm -hmm. else a chance at least if they were gonna replace her but i don't know how it'll play out because i i get the sense that ellen would love to walk away from this honestly like without any sort of sadness about leaving the show I mean, she's like 62. She's been doing this forever. She's 62? Yes. <laughs> I did not realize that she was that old. Oh, yeah. She has been around the block. Oh, yeah. Times. It's time to retire. <laughs> she could, yeah, she could move into sort of that guest hosting, whatever yeah. thing. I mean, honestly, she'd be she'd be good on like a game show of some variety or something. <laughs> like, let her do something else. Yeah. So we'll see how it all plays out, but... I'm glad. Isn't that there a Hollywood Squares reboot that she could? <laughs> man, there's always going to be something. Um. Okay. Well, while wow, this episode is going long, that Bachelor story really just derailed <laughs> us. Know. Uh. Shall we get into love it or hate it? Do you yes. have something for us? Yeah. I, um. I feel bad bringing this up. I really do. Oh, I try gosh. to be positive. You know, I try to share things I loved, and especially with books because I think I just, I know how hard it is to get published and like. And like how bad a bad review can be, but and we have a big reach, so <laughs> yeah, I know. whoever you know, know. this will just tank make the a book. Huge mm-hmm. impact. Yes. but I read this novel this week called Wilder Girls, and it really, honestly, should have been my new favorite thing. It's it was published last summer. It was pitched as sort of a feminist Lord. Is of it the like flies. Laura Ingalls Wilder? No, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> just take a breath. Allow. <laughs> I was like, this is interesting. No, it was a feminist Lord of the Flies. That's like about three best friends stuck at an all board girls boarding school during this like strange pandemic that's taking out their their staff and and uh, and classmates. Very timely. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love Lord of the Flies. I absolutely love it. I think it's such a good story that not only examines like toxic masculinity, but also just human nature at its core and just this question of how much goodness we have in us versus how much bad. And I think if you're pitching me a feminist Lord of the Flies, then you expect sort of a a similar reckoning with human nature. Like I 
I wanted it to be semi-literary if you're harking back to literary novels, but it yes. just ended up being sort of this weird sci-fi like horror story that that was I think got away with calling itself feminist because look, women can be complicated too. And it was just like, oh, they're mean and they're it's like graphic violence and weird physical deformities and like Oh, ugliness. So it's not just girly. I don't know. I don't know. But it was sci-fi. Well, yeah, because it turns out to be like this pandemic is like transforming these women with weird, no (laughs) weird physical. Yeah, I was like, how would you even get this to Lord of the Flies? Well, because it's women left alone on an island, and what do they do? What? Oh, the boarding schools on an island. It's like oh, and then the teachers die or whatever. Yeah. Hmm, okay. But, but yeah, it was just like it didn't really give me anything, and I was honestly like, maybe I missed author? something. Um, <laughs> it is her name is. Um, let me look this up. I should have. Oh gosh, but I just felt bad. Her name's Rory Power, and I will say it's well written. I sort of liked some of the characters. I think it was interesting that she was playing with this idea of monstrosity in women but this it never cover like... is very strange <laughs> yeah it never like just it never Who stuck published the landing. This? it looks self-published to me no, oh my gosh you're being so mean that is just ridiculous i mean it was well reviewed i don't know but i will say this if you do want an actual like feminist lord of the flies moment the grace year by kim Liget legit is one i read this year as well and it was published last year in the fall and that is a really good book that sort of explores um this idea of like <laughs> what is womanhood and it and it also has this sort of genre e angle where it sort of takes place in this sort of puritan community like and Ooh. and and the women at age 16 are sent off to this sort of cabin in the woods to live alone for a year to get rid of their like basically their their sexuality their independence like they're meant to come back broken and ready to be married off to these men and just sad and devoted for the rest of their lives and so that book was really good and really interesting and talked you know explored a lot about you would think that it would just make them more horny (laughs) to be away for a year well that's part of the question is like how much is are we just trained to fit into these roles that that the patriarchy puts on us and Hmm. and how women are victims to their own sort of selves sometimes and it was good and so that was sort of what i was expecting more of but it didn't really work so that's a as a recommendation to avoid and one to seek out. So, <laughs> uh, well, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have a recommendation that was astonishingly wonderful for me. So, I read <laughs> the book uh, "Death on the Nile" by Agatha Christie oh, a couple, yes. of, like maybe a month ago. Love Agatha Christie. Love a murder mystery. Have you read this at any um, point? No, but I've heard good things. Yeah. So anyways, she's great. There was, There's a movie that's coming out or was supposed to come out this year that's a sequel to like the murder on the Orient Express movie that uh, came out a couple of years ago, whatever. So I read this novel in preparation. However, obviously that movie is not coming out anytime soon, given the situation <laughs> with the theaters. But there is a 1978 version of this movie that has Maggie Smith in it. So I thought, <laughs> eh, let me give this a try. It was... 
so exquisite. Like I can't, I, I was mesmerized and I can't even like think of another movie that is anything similar to this. I mean, it's this huge, like big sprawling cast of famous people, Betty Davis, Mia Farrow, Angela Lansbury, like lots of fun people. They're all in this boat that's going through Egypt. But the whole thing was like shot on location in Egypt, like they're crawling up pyramids. They're walking around the Sphinx. They're in all of these beautiful temples. It's all shot on the Nile. And it's not like a movie today where it's like some CG and some of this and some of that. Like, no, they dragged all these famous people out to Egypt. Apparently they had to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning to shoot all of the scenes because it got to be 130 degrees by noon every day. But it's just beautiful. And there's this one scene where all of them are kind of like uh, creeping around this giant temple, this old Egyptian temple that has all of these uh, huge columns. And they're sort of like creeping around and you know that something bad's going to happen. But it's like clearly it's not a set. They went to some old Egyptian temple and shot on it, which I mean today probably would not be allowed just because like of historical nature but for watching this film it was just so mesmerizing and then it won best oscar for the costumes in the movie and the costumes are incredible they dress up maggie smith in all of these like men's suits that fit really well and she just looks so beautiful the entire time angela lansbury is like a drunk uh romance novelist and they have her in all of these weird shawls and beads and turbans and things and it's like every scene because all of these people are rich and they're all on this nile tour on a boat that they all change costumes so it's just all of these different wardrobes and it's all like 1930s kind of outfits Mm -hmm. it was just such a pleasure to like watch as a film and then also it's a fun murder mystery on top of it so oh would definitely recommend and honestly the movie was better than the book i thought because the book had like maybe about five too many characters in it who were (laughs) suspects and the film obviously like cut a bunch of those but Mm. kept all of the weirdest ones so it just worked for me. <laughs> Would you have replaced this uh, in your theater lineup from last week? I mean, honestly, maybe because <laughs> I was so high on it. There's also a, an amazing scene where they're all getting off the paddle boat and they're hiking up to some ruin or another and they're all riding camels. And it's just like 10 shots in a row of these various actors trying to get onto camels and, (laughs) and the camels like standing up and carting them off. And it's like not a stunt double. It is very clearly like a 70 year old Angela Lansbury climbing up onto a camel in like a shawl (laughs) and turban and then being dragged away across the desert. So just magical to watch. Yeah, no, that sounds like a good time. So if you're in the lookout for, you know, (laughs) something fun. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) This is it for you. Perfect. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, again, we are just getting more and more long-winded on these episodes. We didn't even have a review this time. What is our excuse? Um. We'll be back on Thursday with Shelby's Swiftish co-host Ashley to talk about the new Taylor Swift album. Yes. I have thoughts. TM trademark. Uh. <laughs> I'm sure that Shelby and Ashley do as well, and that we will get into a heated debate. Oh yeah. So. Hope to see you all there for that. Follow us on social media. Leave us a review, please. See you later. Bye.